and they, they need to nurture themselves. It is hard. And sometimes you're going to feel so overwhelmed. You don't know who's going to be upset today, my <laughs> clients or my family. Welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. Hey Homegirls, this week we are headed to the Gulf Coast of Florida to the Tampa Bay area to meet with Penny Perry. Penny has been an agent for well over a decade, and today she is going to share with us the tips that have given her longevity in her career, how she has built a referral-based business, and how she loves on our clients. Hey Homegirls, welcome to this week's episode of Hey Homegirl. I am so excited to have Penny Perry with us today. She's from the Tampa Bay area of Florida, and she did steal our very precious Tom Brady from us in New England, but I'm happy that we got to share him with you and you got to enjoy him for a couple of years. And thank you for being with us. Thank you. And we enjoyed having him. The parties down in Tampa were amazing. He never <laughs> partied when he was in New England. So I think it's just part of that whole New England culture. So for us to watch on the sidelines while he was on boats yachting around in your bays and throwing house parties was really interesting for us. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. Oh, super cool. So today you are going to share a lot of years of experience with our listeners. And I'm really, really excited for that. How many years have you been doing this now? 17, 17 full-time though, only full-time seven years. I'm a retired nurse and that's, I ran an ER. So when I first started in real estate, I did it because we were flipping houses. We had yeah. rentals. And so that's why I even got my license. And then when I got, everybody got to know I was a real estate agent I hooked up with all the doctors and the nurses that I knew, and it was our play money. Yeah. And then once I went full-time, I still have all that SOA. I have doctors. I'm working with two nurses now, and I keep in touch with them. That's a big okay. deal. Yeah. What a great way to build your business. Yes. Especially probably in your marketplace. I could see where you have a lot of growth within your medical community, um, and you probably have a decent amount of turnover too. Yeah, we do. We have a lot of turnover, more in than out, as we all know, the way it's been the last five years in Florida. But we do, I do have clients that have come down, relatives of my SOI, that, that they have to live down here. And then they get down here. And it's like, it's too hot for us. We're going to go back up north. So I get a lot of flips, you know, they buy through me. And then two years later, I'm selling. But 90% of eight, it's actually 88.7%. We just figured it out, me and my my team is, is SOI. So I, it's referrals, it's past clients, it is families and referrals. And that is my wheelhouse is my, is, is my SOI. Which is the smartest way to grow your business because you're already getting those referral from people that know, like, and trust you. You're not worried about these cold leads that are just hard to convert. Yes. And we, we do, we do do online leads and I give them, I don't, convert that many. And it's just because it's not my thing, but my team does. I have, I have two agents on my team. So I hand them to them. They do really good with them. And I just kind of stay where I do best. Yep. And that way you can be, and you can be an advisor for them when they come to you with questions and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Do they also primarily handle a lot of your buyers or do you do a lot of double-sided deals? How do you kind of work that with your team? They, I do give them almost all the buyer leads. I've only worked two buyers in the last year. So we double, we only double side a few here. We can do it in Florida. We can get both sides. The last year I've only double sided one out of, I did 32 transactions last year. Only one was both sides. Yeah. It's so hard to be 
nice to both parties in that situation. It's one thing if they know each other and everybody has a good personality, but I'm sure you've heard or seen nightmares down in your marketplace from agents that just want to double side everything because it's hard to yes. be fair to both parties. It is hard to be fair because you know what the other one will pay. You you know everything and to try to be there and be totally neutral, especially if you do have a favorite, which everybody has favorites, to try to make it where it's good for everybody involved. And that's kind of where I like the deals. I When the transaction's closed and everybody's happy, that's when I'm happy. I'm, because you know that's how you're going to grow your SOI. That's how people in your sphere are going to just rave about you when they're happy, not when there's conflict. Yeah. Yeah. That conflict stuff is, you know, I just did a really nasty divorce. I actually sold them the house seven years ago. I keep in touch with my SOI every year, every client that I have, they bought or sold through me. They get a handmade ornament on my embroidery machine with a live poinsettia delivered to their house. And so I kept up with these people. And when he called me and said, me and Lisa are getting a divorce. I need you to list the house. I'm like, oh, well, that's good. You know, I'd love to do that for you. Well, then when I showed up there, Lisa didn't want the divorce. Lisa was fighting the divorce. They were both living in the home. It was very hostile. When we were starting the listing and I got her to finally sign the listing agreements, we went to do professional pictures and she had locked herself in the bedroom. So she would not let the photographer in the master bedroom because that was her domain. And after I finally got inside and sat on the bed with her and we talked and she finally accepted some money from me, just 10 bucks to go to Starbucks because I knew this was hard for her. And it was empathy, knowing that this is hard for her. To me, it was a, you know, may just be a transaction to her. This was her home that she was losing. So we, she did go to Starbucks. We got the pictures done, but through the whole process, the husband was the easier to deal with. She was not accepting. She was the one that was court ordered from the judge. I had to keep constant communication with her and Most of the time I tried to do it by email or text where they were both those threads. So they both knew what was being said, that nothing was happening behind her back or that anybody was trying to take advantage of the other one. Yeah. And that, that made it a little easier through the whole process. It did take a lot of understanding and communication with her and patience. I could not push her around at all because she was being so resistant to the whole thing. So fragile. Yeah, she was. She was very fragile. But in the end, we we made it through. I actually helped her find a rental. And I don't know if I'll ever hear from her again, but I will. The, the gentleman, the husband, he is uh, stays in contact with me. Over your 17 year career, your career, have you done a lot of divorce situations? And when you got started with them, how did you kind of work into that scenario? Because it takes a special type of sensitivity training, I think, for an agent to be able to handle that in the most professional manner. That was my fourth divorce in 17 years. That's it. And everyone that I done that I did, excuse me, were all houses that I sold them. So I had relationships with both sides. Each time, two of them went really easy. Again, it was communicating and staying neutral. And that's 
even in the neutrality is very, very important. So if we think of three pieces of advice to give agents that might want to add this to one of their pillars, because there's a lot of agents that specifically just work that niche of business, but for newer agents that maybe don't, haven't gone through that empathetic sensitivity training, what three pieces of advice would you give them if they're going to take on a divorce situation? I guess the first one is empathy, because even if both parties want the divorce, this is still a very emotionally charged time. And to make sure that you're you're acting in a very caring and loving way. You can't go in there all business when it's divorce and all these emotions are going on and to be neutral. It even though it can be hard sometimes because you're naturally it's human nature to like somebody more than the other person. You got to stay neutral. And then another thing that I'd already discussed is communication. I try to make sure when I'm communicating, I try to do it in writing as much as possible either by text or email where everybody is on that email, both parties, so that one cannot pit the other one against the other on something that I may or may not have said. Yeah, a hundred percent because they can turn around and say something you like, well, Penny told me that you have to take out all of the personal belongings and get rid of things. And you, you didn't say that at all. No. And that it just alleviates that uncertainty and any chances that can happen when both parties, I can say, I can pull up. I, I did it. I did it in the last one. I'm pulling up the text. No, I told you guys that this needed to be done. And it did, it made it, um, it made it a little easier to keep the process going the transaction on track. And when they did, when they do start fighting and bickering, which they will, you've got to be comfortable to just step back, let them do their thing. And then when they're ready, you jump back in again with empathy and caring, and you just problem solve whatever you can possibly do. You can't do anything legally, but you can work out that give and take. He won't move out this, but so how about I help you find a mover? In fact, that's what I did with the last one with my last lady. I'm like, I'll find you a mover. You're going to pay for him, but I'll help you and I'll be there when he's there because she was concerned. It was just another roadblock she was putting up. Yep. Yeah. So it's just getting around the roadblock. You know, she's being displaced. So that's understandable. Yes. I love what you said about let them fight it out and you take a step back because I think a lot of agents have a personality where they want to be the firefighter. They want to put out the situation and be the hero. But the reality is, is sometimes we need to take a step back and let those emotions play out so that we can step in and do a better job. Because if we walk in a total argument, that's not going to help the situation. No, it will actually harm because you could, it, she was making it difficult enough to show And if I would have went in there all business, I tried to come from a very loving area, you know, come in peace and let them do that. And it kept me out of anyways, the resentment. I was trying to keep the resentment she felt towards me to a minimum by letting them deal with their stuff. And then I dealt with the transaction. Perfect advice. I would suppose, and maybe this is me stereotyping Florida, but I would suppose in Florida, you have a good amount of turnover because of probate sales. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We're not quite finished yet, but as the homegirl of your hometown, I would love to pass the mic to you so that you can share your story and some of your secrets with the homegirl community. To apply, please go to howtobeahomegirl.com in the show notes. 
Oh, we do. I've done lots of probates. I actually have two lawyers. In fact, one I need to go see very soon that I stop by every other month with a little box of chocolates, like you guys got anything going on and then I get their deals. I think the worst probate I've done probably over 20 probates in the last five years. It was five siblings and a grandson was in the will. Well, the grandson was a felon. The grandson actually burnt the house down because they were trying to evict him. So not only was I dealing with five people, but I was dealing with the city of Tampa because the house was condemned. I'm trying to get him. I did get it. So I got somebody that wanted to buy it at a very reduced rate, of course, because they, it was getting, it was getting bulldozed. He wouldn't sign it. And I had to convince him it's his best interest to sign it so that he could get his money, knowing it the whole time that he wasn't going to get a cent because he owed the state a ton of money for being in prison. It was a very hard situation getting through that. We did, they did get through it. I said five out of six were good. I actually had to get a skip tracer to find out where he went to get him to even sign the listing agreement. And then it was a long involved process. It worked. The family got what they needed. He was not happy, but I couldn't let one person, you know, this was dealing with the whole family. Probably very similar to when you work your divorce clients. The transparency is key when you're dealing with multiple siblings like that. And the good part about probates is it's already figured out who's getting what. No matter what I do, the money, because the money is the issue when that happens. People start fighting over stuff. They fight, well, over money is what most of the time. But the judge is the one that's going to decide that. And I can always sit back and say, I'm just doing what the court said. Yep. You know, or if they'll call and say, well, how much money am I getting? You're need, you're going to need to talk to your lawyers. I don't have that information. I'm not privy to that. I am just here for the house. Perfect. And it, again, it's, it's taking a step back. And if you're having problems, get a hold of the lawyers. The lawyers are your friends or, well, they're, they're. We never hear that. So that's good advice. Well, it, it is as far as if you're having, they can compel somebody to do what needs to be done. The lawyers will be the ones that will go to the probate judge and say, hey, this person won't sign and they can be compelled or they can figure out one. They actually just kind of did around it. The judge says he doesn't need to sign it. We're selling it anyways. That was about five years ago, but I didn't get mad. You know, you can't get upset with them. If they start getting upset, you need to take a step back and say, no, you're upset. And this is a hard time for everybody. If you have questions, please call the lawyer. All I can do is tell you what I know, which is minimal. All I know is what, you know, about the house sale. And it's, it's called not getting involved. Yep. You don't want to get involved. And again, coming from a loving, caring place, because this is most of the time a very horrible time for everybody, an emotional time, depending on, you know, who the deceased is. So when you decided that you wanted to add that small pillar to your SOI that was driving most of your business and you went and you talked to these attorneys, what were some things that you did to get in with them? First thing I did is I went, we have a small chocolate shop, homemade chocolates. I made, I dropped off boxes at each lawyer. I took one lawyer out to lunch. I said, Hey, can we meet? And I sat with him and his partner and me and my husband sat there. We just had lunch together. They've given me two deals. I am not their top agent. You know, they have somebody they give it to, but they will give me deals. I sent them postcards. I made up a little Canva postcard that says, we love probate lawyers. 
And on the back, I just said, I would love to, you know, sit down with you guys and had a t- and talk. I actually got thank you cards for the, the chocolates and then I stay in touch. So right. the ones that I know that are active and we actually look up on county records, who's doing the most probates. And I think the top 20 lawyers, law firms, I guess I should say. Yeah. And that's who I targeted. And I did end up getting two, two of them. Very nice. And so do you kind of treat them like your past clients also, where you're just constantly kind of dripping on them and reminding them that you're there and that you're a producing agent in your area? I stop by at Christmas and drop off poinsettias. I give Christmas cards. Sometimes I'll drop off Starbucks cards, depending on what I have. They all get, the chocolates is kind of my, I guess it's what they think of when I come in with chocolates. It's like, oh, she's bringing us chocolates again. It's like, yeah, if you got anything coming up. And a lot of times they will tell you, yeah, I've got one coming up in a couple months and they will call me, but they don't like being bugged. I don't call them on the phone. I, I physically drop by and try to not, because the more that you make a pain of yourself, the less you're going to get with lawyers. It's just a whole different mindset than dealing with, they're busy. Yeah. They're very, very busy. And you probably feed them referrals too, when you can. So if you have I do. that are in need of that, you probably specifically go to those two who are giving you some business, right? Correct. I do. They have been, they have gotten referrals. And then the people that I referred them to when they said, do we, you know, a probate lawyer, they turn around and then I get the listing, you know, they'll say, Hey, it's ready to go. Can you come in in the office and let's get this done. So for someone like you that has gone from one career into real estate full-time, and you've kind of seen the gamut of a couple of different real estate cycles now. For the newer agents that are coming into our marketplace that, you know, are women who are trying to juggle it all, their moms, their, you know, might have part-time jobs, their wives. What is a piece of advice that you would give them to empower them to take this role as seriously as possible? Because they're dealing with the biggest investment that our clients have. Probably one is just take care of yourself. And I know that sounds, you know, sounds easy to do, but it isn't when you're working, you're being a mom. I'm a grandma. I have my, my grandkids every day. I'm a wife. He needs, he needs attention once in a while. My clients, as all of, we all know that they don't have a lot of boundaries sometimes. So it's setting boundaries and it's giving, I think a lot of I just started making sure I had time on Sundays. So on Sunday mornings from eight o'clock to two o'clock on Sundays, that is my family time. And I, I will hold to it and I make sure they get my sleep and they, they need to nurture themselves. It is hard. And sometimes you're going to feel so overwhelmed. You don't know who's going to be upset today, my <laughs> clients or my family, or if the floors need vacuumed. Do am I going to do that CMA or am I going to get my floors done? So it's a juggling act and it's just making sure I always try to make sure I take time for myself and new moms are are the worst of not taking time for themselves. A lot of them don't have that opportunity, but they should always take that opportunity to, to have some self-care and some self-love. And then it makes it easier when you're getting pulled in probably three different directions at any given time. Yep. Well, that's excellent advice. I recently read in a book that a lot of moms are like lighthouses. And when their lights are shining, their, their whole houses are shining bright. And when the mom's light isn't shining and when they haven't put those boundaries in place and when they're not taking time for themselves, everything gets a little dimmer. And I think it's the same way for all of us and for our business. You know, when we have those 80% days, they're magical days, but that's because we put work into doing them the right way. 
And when we're not doing that, things are just a little bit dimmer. So I love that advice. Yeah. And it's a little bit, a lot, I shouldn't say a little bit, a lot of it's organization. So at night when I'm getting ready to go to bed and I try to go to bed on time, I sit down in front of my computer and I figure out what has to be done for the next day, what has to be done. And knowing when I get up in the morning that these are, these are the priorities. And once these are done, everything else, it's just kind of keeping everything in balance. So I know that I have this to do, but I also know that I have, and I, on my schedule, I have different colors. So I know there's family time in there. I have to take the kids to, I take the kids to soccer every Wednesday. So I know that Wednesday nights, somebody else is going to have to pick up the slack or my clients are going to have to wait. Most of them are really good. I mean, I've had a couple that are, that just demanded to be shown houses at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not that it's, I'm not in the office at that time. And even if I, and if I do lose a client because of that, or if another, you know, a new agent says, well, they said I had to then they might not be a good fit because you've got to come first. And they have to, you want to align yourself with people that are going to be respectful of, of your business because you are the professional. And it is, but it, it is also setting expectations at the beginning too. You can't be working with somebody for three weeks, working, showing them 42 houses. And then all of a sudden say, I'm taking Sundays off now. It's yeah. just something you set that expectation at the beginning. And I'm always there for my clients. I will text them back. I will text them in church. Mm-hmm. They'll text me, you know, I want to look at this house. And I very casually just click, click, click. I'm in church. I'll call you at two o'clock. And that's, and like I said, most of them are respectful, but I have set the expectations around the beginning very nicely. You know, I don't take a whole lot of time out, but I do make it know, you know, and if they know you're going to get back to them, they relax. If they've texted you 42 times and you haven't responded in six hours, then that would be a reason that they would be upset. But if they text you or call you and you can text them back and just say, I am not available at this moment. I will get back to you. And at this time, and they, most of them are very accepting of that. I love that. Setting the expectations is so important in our business. So. Great advice. Yeah. Great advice, my friend. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. I think that our our listeners, viewers, because this is on YouTube also, you know, they're really going to like to hear about the different avenues that your business has taken just from focusing on that sphere, but how you've been able to implement those tools into other pillars also. So thank you. You're welcome. You guys have a good day. And I hope, uh, I, hope I did help one person just kind of say, ah, have a light bulb moment. Because you're just as passionate about this career as I am. And that's, I think, why you and I clicked so well, because this is a lifestyle for us. You know, we love our clients and we love our job. So, yeah. And I, I'm, I'm a retired ER nurse. I ran an ER. So that nurturing is, is it's in my blood. So I just went from one nurturing. I look at this as a very caring, nurturing lifestyle, just helping in a different way. Nobody dies at this one. So this one's good. I like that. I like this career. All right. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And hopefully I will get to see you soon, friend. Yeah. Peace out. All right. Bye-bye.